Ah, sup, you beautiful bastards. I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button, subscribe, do all the good stuff to feed those algorithm gods, help spread some common sense, because we're going to just jump into it. And yes, the first story of the day today, it's the, it's been the most requested story from the past 24 hours. It, it happened. It came out uh, just an hour or so after the Wednesday show dropped. Joe Rogan got COVID. And the reason this instantly became international news, headlines everywhere, it's not just because Joe Rogan is a famed podcaster, right? Hosting one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Rather, because on that podcast, especially over the past year, he's promoted vaccine hesitancy, promoted vaccine misinformation. He's constantly mocked people for just trying to do the bare minimum to keep others safe, like wearing masks. And very notably, while repeating that, you know, getting the vaccine is a personal choice, COVID is not something that you really need to be worried about. You need to be, you know, working out. You need to take your vitamins, chill out. But despite publicly having and promoting that view, once he got COVID, he said in his announcement. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And just to be clear, I wanna preface everything I'm about to say by saying that Joe, I really, really hope that you have a speedy recovery, that you're, you're safe, you're healthy, that your, your daughters don't lose their father, that your wife doesn't lose a husband. Now with that said, where I wanna start here is, I know in the past you've defended yourself after getting caught promoting vaccine misinformation and getting called out, you said, hey, I'm a moron, don't listen to me, I'm not a health source. But one, that does not immediately absolve you from spreading misinformation and hesitancy to millions upon millions of people, and two, you then consistently spread misinformation, so much so that even when you've tried to cite certain sources and studies, the people behind those studies have had to come out and go, no, he's wrong. Also, you are someone that has talked about the vaccine as something that's experimental, despite it actually being based on years and years and years of research. I mean, because at that time, all the vaccines were just approved under emergency use authorization, right? So you're saying it's experimental, it's dangerous. I'm not going to risk my body. I got my vitamins and my kettlebells, baby. But then you end up getting COVID and you throw the whole kitchen sink out of the thing that's definitely not a big deal. Right? So he talks about things being experimental, says he has a huge issue with emergency use authorization for the vaccines. It makes him skeptical. But then you get COVID and you take monoclonal antibodies, which are, hey, by the way, only approved under emergency use authorization. In addition to a number of things that are not officially FDA approved or FDA recommended. Which also, side note, poor monoclonal antibodies. Like, that, that's the smart kid in a group project. Meanwhile, the Z-Pack and the vitamin drip, more like me in a group project. Which, actually, by the way, regarding all the stuff that Joe Rogan mentioned in this cocktail, Dr. Mike released a great video kind of talking about each individual one. Which ones he mentioned make sense, others that don't make sense, others that could actually work against him. Also, up to this point, you may have realized I didn't talk about ivermectin. I am personally just gonna cross my fingers and hope that when Joe said that he took that, that he went to a doctor that gave him the human version and that Joe has not gone so deep down the rabbit hole that he is also taking animal drugs, even though ivermectin for humans still at this point not FDA approved as a suggested COVID-19 treatment. Right, and so in many people's eyes after this news came out, Joe Rona has gotten understandably slammed and mocked online. Right, people saying that his actions are inconsistent, that he is a hypocrite, that really in like the effort to be a contrarian, he just went through a million other steps to protect himself. And understand, I say all this while at the same time thinking, yeah, Joe Rogan has the freedom to be a fucking moron. And remember to the knuckle draggers out there that are gonna defend him, like I'm using his word for himself. And actually maybe Joe Rogan here is a genius. He is going out of his way, he went out of his way to get COVID to show everybody out there that he is someone that should not be listened to. Rather, you should just go to Jovid for your ha-has and not vaccine information because it turns out Rogan's not an epidemiologist. And hey, by the way, I'm not 
but I am then promoting what epidemiologists are actually saying. Like when did listening to the smartest people in the room make someone a sheep and then just being a professional contrarian make someone a genius? Like obviously that is a broad statement. Not every situation is the same. There is such a thing as a healthy amount of skepticism, but in so many places, it's gotten to such a stupid point. But ultimately that is where this story ends. And you know, I gave you the story. I gave you my opinion and this is the PDS. I know pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? Whether you agree or you disagree, you land somewhere in between, I'd love to know. Then in other news, you know how for years it's kind of been this running joke that when you go up to a McDonald's, their ice cream machine is always going to be broken? Right? Even with a site out there that exists solely to track McDonald's broken ice cream machines. Well now the fucking FTC is getting involved. They're reportedly investigating why this is a thing. While the FTC has declined to comment on this investigation, what we do know is that in the past, franchise owners have complained that the machines are overly complicated and very hard to fix once they break down. Right? For example, uh, the machines reportedly have to go through an automated heat cleaning cycle every night, and that can last up to four hours. But to make things worse, that cycle can fail. And if and when it does, the machine is then down until a repair person can come out and fix it. And because of that, one company by the name of Kitch actually developed a tool specifically designed to be able to help franchise owners fix their broken machines. But then that situation hit a legal wall when Kitch accused the company that makes the machines Taylor Commercial Food Service of trying to bar franchise owners from using their tool and even alleged in court that Taylor was trying to steal and replicate its tech, which is why this FTC investigation might actually be so much bigger. It might actually be part of an antitrust investigation. Or because a big thing to understand with this is McDonald's isn't the only one in the crosshairs here. But as a number of people have noted, this investigation comes after Biden back in July signed an executive order aimed at examining device repair restrictions across the board, including agriculture, healthcare, shipping, transportation, and technology sectors. But yeah, I guess the main point to this story is that thanks to a government antitrust investigation, you may be getting your McFlurry back. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. Now, most of you know, I've worked with SeatGeek for a while now. I'm very excited to be working with them again. One, because they've been an absolutely fantastic partner to me. And two, because it means we're just that much closer to getting back to normal. Right? Remember live events, sports, concerts, artists, exhibits, festivals, stand-up comedy. And the list goes on and on. And our friends over at SeatGeek have all the tickets to get you back out there whenever you are personally ready. SeatGeek has your back by putting tickets from across the web in one place to make buying simple. So whether it's next week or next year, you can find any and all the tickets that you want. They even rate every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure that you're getting a good deal. And it's as simple as green means good, red means bad. And with this, you can get $20 off your first purchase by using code Phil at checkout. That is $20 off your first purchase with promo code Phil. Click that link down below, download the app and get started today. Then let's talk about the news that the Sacklers, who many have called garbage people undeserving of our oxygen, who should maybe be shot to the moon, other people, not me, AKA the family that owns Purdue Pharma, which many people with eyes and ears have blamed for fueling the country's opioid crisis, have now won legal immunity from all future lawsuits related to opioids. And looking into how America's most hated family pulled this off, it appears to be part of a bankruptcy settlement that was officially approved yesterday. Right, so with that, not only will the Sacklers be free of liability from harm caused by Oxycontin and other opioids, so will hundreds of their associates as well as the remaining companies and trusts. In exchange, the Sacklers have agreed to pay $4.3 billion in forfeit ownership of Purdue Pharma. And of course, because no fat cat settlement is complete, regardless of how egregious, uh, the Sacklers will not have to admit any wrongdoing. In fact, even declining any sort of apology. And if you know, you're thinking, oh, well, at least they had to pay that really big fine. They've made so much money from Purdue Pharma. They are so rich that they will still be one of the richest families in the world, even after this fine. And the Sacklers framing of all this, it's ludicrous with the representatives of the family telling NPR, while we dispute the allegations that have been made about our family, we have embraced this path in order to help combat a serious and complex public health crisis. Yeah, fuck you. Even the judge who presided over this settlement saying, this is a bitter result. I believe that at least some of the Sackler parties have liability for those Oxycontin claims. I would have expected a higher settlement, but also adding it is clear to me after a lengthy trial 
while that there is now no other reasonably conceivable means to achieve this result. And so still, it's understandable why so many people are calling this settlement a miscarriage of justice, considering that the opioid crisis has killed half a million people in this country and ruined countless lives. Now, also understand with this, we're seeing both Connecticut and Washington state attorneys general, as well as the US trustee program challenging the judge's approval of the settlement. But also with this settlement, it appears that the public will maybe learn more with more than 30 million private documents, including confidential emails now being made public. So this likely will not be the last time we hear about the Sacklers and people scrutinizing over the documents, though uh, they effectively have immunity unless some crazy big thing happens. And then we should definitely talk about how the Supreme Court has now officially refused to block the new law in Texas that effectively bans abortions in the state in a five to four ruling late last night. Right, we talked about the law yesterday when it went into effect, but basically it bans abortions after six weeks, which is before most people know that they're pregnant. And very notably, I would argue the key thing here, it also allows citizens to file lawsuits against anyone who helps someone else get an abortion after six weeks, including doctors, clinic staff as well, as someone who paid help for the abortion or even a rideshare driver that dropped someone off at a clinic. Now, as far as the five to four vote, you know how this split. Now, getting into the specifics, very notably here in the unsigned order, the majority made it clear that their decision was based on a procedural question regarding the case and not the actual substance of the law writing. We stress that we do not purport to resolve definitively any jurisdictional or substantive claim in the applicant's lawsuit. With them also explicitly noting that abortion providers can still challenge the Texas law in other ways. Added, the order is not based on any conclusion about the constitutionality of Texas's law and in no way limits other procedurally proper challenges to the Texas law, including in Texas state courts. But also in a fiery dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor slammed the decision, writing the court's order is stunning. Presented with an application to enjoin a flagrantly unconstitutional law engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights and evade judicial scrutiny, majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. Others also echoing that, including President Biden, who vowed to fight the ruling, which he said unleashes unconstitutional chaos, as well as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi promising to bring legislation to the House floor to ensure access to abortions. But also given the makeup of the Senate, that could be impossible. And as far as what happens next, while legal challenges are ongoing and will likely reach the high court again at some point, like I mentioned yesterday, while all of this plays out, we can very much expect to see other states proposing and implementing laws similar to the Texas one. And beyond that, this ruling is also fueling the hopes of abortion opponents who hope that the conservative majority in the Supreme Court will decide in their favor when it hears a landmark case this fall regarding Mississippi's abortion ban that could result in Roe v. Wade being overturned. But for now, we're gonna have to wait and see. And of course, with this, I know it's a very divisive and polarizing story, but I would love to know your thoughts here. Then let's talk about this news around January 6th and the January 6th commission that is investigating the insurrection. Right, so the news today is that recently the committee asked 35 social media and telecom companies to keep phone and social media records related to the attack. And now in response to that, you have House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy threatening any company that complies with that request, helps with the investigation, warning that Republicans will not forget their actions and saying in a statement, if these companies comply with the Democrat order to turn over private information, they are in violation of federal law and subject to losing their ability to operate in the United States. If companies still choose to violate federal law, a Republican majority will not forget and will stand with Americans to hold them fully accountable under the law. Now, notably here, it isn't exactly clear what law McCarthy is talking about. Many legal experts saying that there is not a specific law that would stop companies from handing over the information, right? Noting that law enforcement agencies subpoena private companies all the time. And well, yeah, some experts said that there are probably laws that prevent phone carriers from voluntarily turning over records. They also noted that if the the committee were to subpoena that information 
information, that company would then be legally required to respond. While currently it is unclear how the committee would compel the companies to submit the materials, they do have subpoena power. Actually, in a statement yesterday accusing McCarthy of trying to obstruct the investigation, Representative Bill Pascrell Jr. implied that some of the companies may have already been subpoenaed, saying, Last night, the House Republican leader openly threatened subpoenaed parties to undermine and impede the historic probe into January 6th. His threats are treasonous. Right, this move from McCarthy represents his latest attempt to impede the investigation, which he has done at basically every turn. Well, yes, many have accused McCarthy of continually attempting to protect Trump and Republicans. This latest effort also hits very close to home for him. And that's because he himself confirmed that he had a phone call with Trump on January 6th. But ultimately, that is where we are. We're gonna have to wait to see what happens next. And of course, I'd love to know your thoughts here. And then let's talk about Hurricane Ida. She was not done. Right, with remnants of this hurricane in the last 24 hours, bringing record shattering rain to the Northeast, causing historic flooding and killing around two dozen people. As of right now, most of the deaths recorded have been related to the floods, which have filled apartments with water and turned roads into rivers that swallowed cars. Right now, the exact death toll is unknown with lots of contradictory and updating reports, but as of recording this video, most outlets are saying that it's at least 24 people, including a two-year-old boy in New York City. Flooding also shutting down transit in much of the region. Road, train, and air traffic have been halted in both New York and New Jersey, where both governors have declared states of emergency. New York City was also issued its first ever flash flood emergency, and much of the city has been brought to a standstill. And I mean, just looking at the videos coming out of New York, especially as someone that used to live there, like, it's crazy. You have waist-level floodwaters creating major travel delays. Most subway lines having to be shut down as stations are becoming flooded. Also, thanks to ID of rivers and creeks swelling to dangerous record levels, prompting concerns over additional flooding as well as flash flood warnings in some regions across multiple states. Also, because apparently that wasn't enough, Mother Nature decided to have some more fun. Tornadoes touching down in Maryland and New Jersey. With heavy winds downing trees and utility poles, prompting more than 200,000 power outages reported in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut as of this morning. And remember, as recovery efforts get started in the Northeast now, they're also continuing in many parts of the South that were absolutely devastated by the storm. Or as we talked about earlier this week, Louisiana and Mississippi were hit particularly hard and many are still suffering. While power has been restored to some, reportedly 1 million homes and businesses still don't have electricity. And health officials have said that over 600,000 people still do not have running water. And at the same time, heat advisories have been issued in parts of southwestern Mississippi and southeastern Louisiana that may still not have electricity. Additionally, you have the federal government reporting that 80% of the Gulf's oil and gas production is still offline. So clearly a lot of uncertainty, a lot to be done. Of course, as always, I'm gonna be linking to resources down below. But for now, we'll of course, I have to keep our eyes on this. I will update you, but if, Please, you are in an affected area. Stay safe and listen to advisories. But ultimately with this story or really any of the stories today going all the way back to the Joe Rogan one, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because yes, this is a new show, but it's also meant to be a conversation. And the way that I will close out today's conversation is by thanking you once again for hitting that like button, subscribe, and joining the family, all the good stuff. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you next time.